Blog Talk Radio. Urban Glory Radio, simply glorious. In spreading the gospel to the world, we have designed a streaming radio broadcast for every believer. This word, worship, and witness field broadcast streams live every week. Access episodes on demand 24 hours a day. Subscribe to our iTunes podcast and take UDR wherever you go. Visit us online at urbanglorycampaigns.webs.com. Also find us at twitter.com backslash urban underscore glory and like us on Facebook. Enjoy today's broadcast. Lynn and purchase her music 
at facebook.com forward slash E-R-I-K-A-L-Y-N-N-M-U-S-I-C-K. Well, good morning. It is Sunday morning in the Word where we study the Word of God systematically. And today is a special broadcast, and that which I'm on live today, to discuss with you the power of Pentecost. And, you know, um, it's been a couple of years um, since I've, uh, I've done this teaching, but I know this teaching. And so it's easy for me to uh, to share on the power of Pentecost. And so today I want to give you three uh, revelatory facts on Pentecost and kind of build from there. We're going to go from two passages of Scripture, and that is Leviticus chapter 23 and then Acts chapter 1. Leviticus chapter 23 and Acts chapter 1. Let's pray and not delay. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence, making boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I do lean and depend on that Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought. Holy Spirit, I say have your way. Do what only you can do, anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And Father, in everything that shall be glory, uh, in everything that shall be discussed today, you be glorified. For it is in the name of Jesus that we pray and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to just read for you a, a section as an opener of our starting the 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 instructions from the to the Levitical priesthood concerning Pentecost. I just want to read a section of it. And it says in verse twenty one of chapter twenty three of Leviticus, and ye shall proclaim on that self same day that it may be an holy convocation unto you. And ye shall do no servile work therein. It shall be a statue forever in all your dwellings throughout your generation. And when ye reap the harvest of your land, that thou shalt mark clean radiance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. Neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of thy harvest. Thou shalt leave them. Unto the poor and to the stranger, I am the Lord, your God. I know that's an interesting passage to to pick up on on Pentecost, but it is the instructions for Pentecost, the thoughts on the various feasts of Israel. And it's important that we learn the purposes of the feast of Israel. You know, um, I was discussing with my um, God sense, what I call, you know, they're like God children, but there's really no such thing as God children. You know, the scripture uh, never tells us to do anything you can't find in the scripture. But there are people that God places in your life where um, you you are in relationship with them and their children. And when I was speaking to them, I was talking about the, the purpose of Pentecost. And, um, and often the church world doesn't know. But, you know, in, in saying that and going back and reviewing 
Um, there, there is traditionally seven feasts of Israel, but we actually coined them as eight feasts, and these were to shape the the uh, the the year, the timetable, because the the the, the calendar of God or the plans of God were revealed to the Jewish people in a in a in a time span, a lifespan of events and activities that would ever be uh, celebrated perpetually as as the plan of God being unfolded for humanity. And so even in this day and time, although we we have received Christ by faith, there is a historical imprint on dates that God has anointed, glory to God, my God from Zion. I, I'm I, I'm trying to stay calm, but it's just it's just important that we understand some things. That there's a big picture in God's eyes, and there's a big picture in God's timetable and God's planning, and it is that picture that that promotes His His uh, the passion and the pursuits that we have in pleasing Him. And if we claim to have faith and serve God and to love God. We have to, as the body of Christ, learn why we do what we do and, and why we say what we say. And, and, and it is sometimes throughout the year that if we're going to stay in sync with, with, with God's agenda, we're going to have to understand God's story. And so ultimately, these holidays which we celebrate in the body of Christ and in throughout history and throughout humanity to the big picture that God is truly in control. Now, I know I understand that we say uh, God is not in control because if things are going on in the earth and they're not conducive to the will of God, uh, uh, then, then, of course, it can't be based on the, God's design. And I'm not saying that, but God is in control because all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. So if we belong to God, he is in control and he has a plan, he has a purpose, he has promises, he has provisions, but ultimately all of those come as a result of our perception being alive. Because, see, you can live in this world but not be of this world. And if you are in this world and you belong to God, you got to let the Bible says in Colossians, if ye be risen with Christ, think on these things above. So Pentecost, in that estimation and that explanation, is a revelation of God's plan for humanity to receive the promises of God. And ultimately, it is not a religious holiday, even though it is a religious holiday. It is not a tradition, even though it is a tradition. It is the unfolding of God's plan through his, through his revealed agenda to humanity. And so what God was doing with the feast was, was setting up, a, 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 setting up a, a picture of how redemption would play in times, in, in times future. So in the time of Leviticus, when Moses was creating the constitution of, of, of human law, and laws were being established just a few chapters prior, there was also celebrations 
to remind them, glory to God, hallelujah, of the promises of, of, of provision, protection, and preservance and prosperity that would come as a result of preserving the law in their life. And as a result, there were celebrations created in the calendar to remind them, glory to God, of, of the sacrifices and the covenant that was made for the people of God based on the promises of obedience. And if you obey and serve me, you will spend your days in prosperity and pleasures. So when we go through this, we see that this is the Lord speaking to Moses. <clears throat> These are direct uh, <clears throat> addendums to the agenda of God. Um, that <clears throat> Glory to God. <clears throat> Praise God. But these are directives to the agenda of God that that he says, if you comply to these things, you won't have to worry. Thank you. Yeah, you won't have to worry about what's taking place. See, it says in 23, chapter verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say to them, Concerning the feast of the Lord, which shall ye proclaim a holy convocation. What is that? That's a, that's a time period that you separate yourselves collectively and you come and reflect on the promises and the plans of God. That's what a convocation is. It's a time where you as a people recognize that God is in control. I, I understand we don't like that in modern church, but I don't care what modern people say. If the word says it, anyway, praise the Lord. That's a whole other argument. But here it says, it says, concerning the feast of the Lord, which shall proclaim be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. These are my feasts. Six days you shall, um, shall work and be done, but the seventh day, it is Sabbath rest. The seventh day is the Sabbath rest, a holy convocation, and ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. So here we get into another discussion about Sabbaths, and Sabbaths were created in the, in the Jewish calendar as a day of reflection and re, uh, restoration and rejuvenation through the, through the proclamation of rest, that, Jesus, that even God works six days, six days and on the seventh day, which not necessarily is one particular day, but a dispensational moment in time, he took a space to evaluate and reflect on the work that he did. And so the Sabbath was a time to do this. So there were cycles in the calendar. In the Jewish calendar, they have a cycle of seven. And so there are, there are, 40, there are 49 weeks in which we reflect on various aspects. But on that 50th week, there was a Sabbath proclaimed because there's the perfect number of seven on 49 was seven cycles of seven, seven Seven periods to reflect seven. I'm trying not to get too deep in that, but y'all just got to go to Bible school and learn that for yourself. But anyway, but on the seventh week, there was another week where you proclaimed a new day. And so it, it is no coincidence that on the 50th week, they would then establish a covenant meal, Lord, glory to God, called the first fruits and the unleavened bread. Now, you got to understand that this was, this was although these these two uh, uh, were also feasting themselves. 
they were they were reproduced or done again on the fiftieth week as a observance of something new taking place as a result of harvest coming. Oh, glory to God. I'm trying to keep myself from preaching because you know you just want to preach, but this is a teaching lesson. Oh, glory to God. Hold hold my mule while I shout. But anyway, (laughs) so here on the 50th week, they would do this meal again, but they would combine the, 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 the feast with a sacrifice. It would be the it would not only be a burnt offering unto the Lord, but it would be the baking of unleavened bread, and then these offerings together would then have a a, a, a drink offering as well. So you saw the drink offering, the burnt, the burning of the of the lamb. Uh, of a fresh lamb that had not been taught, and then the unleavened bread was a special flattened bread to remind you that the only way you can eat it and the only way you can really partake is unless it was broken and separated for the holy convocation. Glory to God. God always had his people in mind. And so here it says in verse 18, and ye shall offer with the same, with the bread seven lambs without blemish of the first year, and the young one bullock, and the two rams, they shall be a burnt offering unto the Lord. So I wanted you to understand. In verse 17, it says that also, ye shall bring out the habitations of two ways of loaves. Two loaves, right? That's two bread, That's two um, uh, um, fine flour, that they shall be baking with leaven. They are the first fruits unto the Lord. So now you're baking, you're, you're burning, and you're also bringing forth a drink offering or a peace offering unto the Lord in the first year of sacrifice. And the priest shall wave the bread as first fruit for the Lord, as a wave offering before the Lord, two lambs, and they shall be holy unto the Lord for the priest. And ye shall proclaim on the selfsame day unto you to do no severe work. So here, not only are you sacrificing, not only you're serving the Lord when you're breaking up, when you're baking the bread and burning the burnt offering, but you're also presenting a, a worship before the Lord because of the harvest. So this particular time period is a change in a season. It's a seasonal change. It's a sacrificial act. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm just trying to give you the essence behind this, that there was various works going on in Pentecost. It was the repeating of, of meals that were already done in addition to reflecting on the rest that God had promised through the harvest that was at hand. So this was not a time when the harvest was, was about to come. It was the time when the harvest had fully come. And it said, even when the harvest has come, and even after you burnt the burnt the sacrifice, and you burnt and you uh, and you um, uh, did the burnt offering, and you baked the bread of the unleavened bread, after you've given the sacrifice, after you've served uh, the Lord and waved it before the Lord as worship, I want you to preserve the harvest, the corners of it, so that way the people and the strangers that come by can receive the harvest. It's not for anybody uh, in the family because you're going to take place. But leave the corners for the poor and the strangers because I am the Lord. So in the, the revelation of Pentecost is the, is the revelation of redemption. 
It is the story where God, where God, where God renders or reveals to His people that He has a plan to restore them and to look out for people who they don't look out for, the poor and the strangers. And and of course, this is is not only celebrated in feast or celebrated in sacrifice or celebrated in 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 service, but it's also celebrated in harvest or in the time where we have received the abundance and the promises of God's plan for humanity. So that's the Old Testament revelation. There was there were eight feasts and you need to know all the feasts, the five great festivals which were mentioned in um which were Passover, eleven bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, tabernacles. But to end those feasts, there was also the first fruits um, and the unleavened bread were done at the same time as Pentecost. And so um, that, that brings it to eight. And, of course, you can go throughout the various aspects of what the order was, was. And, of course, this was done for the prophetic fulfillment of the law because after the law was given, there needed to be dates to remind them that if they obey the law was the order of God, the way God wanted to con- con- commit his, his, his promises, his plans and provisions to his people. So we have revelation of God's big agenda, but we also have redemptive fulfillment. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. And ultimately, everything pertaining to Christ and his church is revealed in God's plan for humanity. That's what redemption is. Redemption tells us, tells us that God, God's original idea was for us to experience him as the source that restores our position to divine righteousness. Redemption gives a foundation of a divine perspective on God's design for the quality of life that he's established to us. When we are redeemed, we are awakened to the confidence of our, of our, of, um, that we have in the knowledge of God that is afforded to us by Jesus Christ. It gives us divine de- um, dependence. It gives us divine identity. It gives us divine authority. It gives us divine competence, and it gives us divine character. So when we see that we have redemption in our lives, that means redemption means to buy back. That originally God had already planned the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. He had already had in mind a quality of life that was beyond what we could fathom, that would prosper us, that would protect us, that would provide everything we need in life. But sin eradicated that when we um, distorted our perspective to go beyond the order of God. And so the, these dates could not, could not keep the people satisfied. Of course you know this because there are, there are countless chapters in the Bible and books in the Bible that shows you no matter how many times they celebrated and they sacrificed, it did not suffice for them to get uh, the promises of, the, of, of, of God's plan in their life. 
And so God sent the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world in human flesh and wrapped him in human flesh and walked among them, and they still didn't know. He had been dead and rose from the dead, but they still didn't know. But there's something that took place in the book of Acts where all of these plans and ideas come back to the forefront of time. And it is in these times where, where all of, of what Jesus embodied as redemption and as the revelation of redemption that rejected erroneous religions and rules of conduct and restrictions and, 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 and erroneous rights that caused them to resolve to accepting him by faith. Redemption demanded that reality confronted the condemnation that came from the corruption that, 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 that was imposed upon the people's choices to reject God. It was, it was redemption that causes us to look at the scriptures again for the greater, to let the life come through the light of the spirit. It was the redemption that causes us to listen again to the voice of God behind what is being said through letter because the letter killeth and the spirit give, give of light. It was redemption that caused us to lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him. And then it was a, a, a redemption that causes us to learn exactly what the scriptures mean. And so Jesus walked on the earth and he fulfilled the scriptures. But it wasn't until they got into an upper room and they waited for the promise of the fulfillment of the scriptures that the, that the church could actually construct itself in a, in a scheme of power and events that would forever change the world. And so it is the revelation of redemption and its fulfillment through Christ that awakens the reality of the church. That's my third point today, and that's where I want to conclude. Pentecost is the birthday of the church. It is this particular feast that happened 400 years prior, 400 years prior to Four hundred years prior to um, the manifestation of Jesus, and then now, fifty days after he had died and resurrected from the dead, right? Forty days he had he had revealed himself to his disciples. He began to show himself, but in this last week, he only showed himself one time, and it was this. This this reality in the church Or the reality of this gathering That caused a spark from the church Now let's go to Acts chapter 1 Sometimes we have to review and tell the story About why we celebrate and do the things we do And one of the things that I said today In writing a post on Facebook That if you claim salvation And you claim to be someone who accepted God by faith and you're not a Jew, it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Pentecost. It wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Pentecost. And so Pentecost is a powerful time. It's the birthday of the church. But not only is it the birthday church, it's where we 
see redemptive fulfillment and the revelation that Christ's carriage plan come to reality. <clears throat> and so, in Acts, glory to God. I'm sorry, I got excited because I love the word. And the word lets us know if you go to Leviticus and you read the entire book, you can't just start at verse chapter 23. You got to go back to chapter 1. And, and go all the way through 23 and see how the law was constructed and how there were signs. And, and, and Now, remember, the people, humanity had already fallen. Satan, Satan had corrupted and distorted truth, perversion, promiscuity, and protection from God was insecure. They didn't have it, but God still sent a message of redemption through the law the life of people that would lead them back to God. And he did this for hundreds of years. Then he sent not only the law and people and leaders, but then he allowed the spirit, he loosed the spirit upon the people to pertain, to, to give a word and a sound from heaven, a sound that would change their life and their language and cause them to lift up. To the, to the levels of love which God had prepared for those that would, that would serve and follow him. <clears throat> so the prophets inquired to look on this, this, this promises and these provisions, and they searched diligently for a time period where they could attain freedom from their sins and freedom from, from the corruption that was in the world. And it wasn't until... This day, in Acts chapter 1, where it says in verse 4, being assembled together, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized you with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. This is at the ascension of the Lord Jesus. He had appeared 40 days after he resurrected from the dead to his disciples and others that believed. But in the last week, this, he only appeared once. And he said, where, where, when they therefore come together, they shall ask of him, saying, The Lord, will thou, thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said, It is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father shall put, has put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that which is the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. And then it goes on and say, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So is this the fulfillment of everything or the restoration of everything? No, this is the release of the power of God in reality. And he says that when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud and received out of their sight. So this is the ascension of Jesus in chapter 1. Now, in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 50 weeks, this wasn't the same time period after Jesus ascended, but this was the working of, 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 of the plan of God to establish his church. 
It says they were all in one place and in one accord. And suddenly, a mighty wind, a rushing and mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And, of course, you know, they begin to speak in tongues and to prophesy in the tongues there. Was it he called about Shanda Labahaya? That was in the prayer language. It was Como Estais Mulbien Musas Gracias Senor. It was it was it was the tongue not of a prayer of a prayer language, but of, of a prophetic utterance to a people that knew. These men weren't drunk, as you suppose, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit because they began to speak the promises and the reality of the resurrection that God had fulfilled or the plans that God had for the people in languages, in other languages that the other people had, that the outsides were listening to when the power of God fell on them. Tongues of fire fell on them, and they became a catalyst of change, a catalyst called the church. And, of course, you know, in the third chapter, the church was added daily as such should be saved. And so in my time here, I wanted you to understand that Pentecost is the birthday of the church. It's set to give us a revelation of God's agenda, a redemptive fulfillment through Christ Jesus. But it also, in reality, releases us to the power of God that transforms our life and our language so that others might also call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. So this was that. This was the day that the Lord had made, and we rejoice and are glad in it. Why? Because there we see that Jews and Gentiles called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, and about 3,000 were added that day. And this was perpetual because every year there would be thousands upon thousands that would call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And so we call on God's name because we have been ac- we have access to His grace wherein we stand, and that's 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 a cause for rejoicing. That's a cause for rejoicing. Rejoice, I say in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. And we can rejoice. We can take joy because we have an inward stability, fortified by the Holy Ghost. That God has worked all things out. That for us, God is in control. God has the last thing. God gives power to transform our life. God gives us an unction from the Holy One that we know all things. God gives us his spirit. And his spirit leads us and guides us into all truth. He said we won't be worshiping at no mountains. We won't be taking holidays like the Sabbath and just resting. But we would worship God in spirit and in truth and perpetually know the laws of God. He says, I will write the laws in their hearts and in their minds they will be a people and I will be their father. Because now you're not going to externally appreciate me, but internally I become your reality. For to live is Christ and to die to the ways of the world, and to die to the wages of sin, which is death, and to die to the, to the day of evil, is to live with Christ forever, and to live that life that's eternal, and to live that life that's perpetual, and to live in the promises and the provisions because you have the plan of God on your life. 
And if you have those plans, glory to God, embedded in your heart and in your soul, and, and whether you know the scriptures or not, you are aware that God is moving by his spirit and that God is changing us from the inside out into that same image that causes us to live, move, and have our being Christ Jesus, then you'll have confidence to face each day in power and in glory because it is well with your soul. And if you don't have that, you don't have that blessed assurance, it's because you haven't received that power that we're talking about, which is the Holy Spirit that is sent to lead us and guide us into the truth. And I pray today that you will be filled by the Holy Spirit with evidence, not just to speak in tongues, but to translate your life and language into the love of God that has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit would enable you to live this life in Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I listen. I, I, I trust that you're going to go to church and worship the Lord today and thank him for Pentecost. Thank him for the honor of giving you the privilege to be the church, the catalyst of change that is necessarily to transform the world into the kingdom of, of our God. And I pray that by faith today there would be a revolution in your spirit that you would never be the same in Jesus' name.